Well, hello and good afternoon. It's afternoon for us anyway. Welcome to Monday Main Point. Um, although it's not Monday Main Point, it's once again Midweek Main Point as it's a Wednesday afternoon here at Rosa Sharon Baptist Church. I am Jonathan Hendrickson, the Associate Pastor here at Rosa Sharon, and I'm joined as always today with our pastoral staff, Jeremiah Custer, our youth pastor, Blank Flincham, our children's pastor, and Jeff McCarthy, our senior pastor. We're all gathered here together this afternoon to talk about um, our the Sunday message, uh, to get a little bit more in depth into uh, the message and the text that was covered on Sunday. It's kind of what we do here on Monday Main Point. It's what we do as pastors anyway, and uh, we just enjoy uh, offering this as an opportunity for you to kind of listen in on our discussion and uh, kind of pull back the curtain a little bit of what this is the this is what we do. It's not that we critique one another. Uh, it's more that we just kind of talk about things that we picked up on uh, during the message. And so, yeah, uh, glad to have you with us here today. We're going to talk today about the Sunday message, um, a message called Grace Greater Than Fairness. Um, and this came from uh, a parable that Jesus tells in the book of Matthew, uh, Matthew chapter 20, verses 1 through 16. I'm not going to read all of those, but just to kind of summarize, this is the parable of the workers in the vineyard. And it, the Jesus tells this parable um, after, uh, after a conversation that happens. Uh, the, the, he has a conversation with a rich young ruler and... Uh, that's when he says the sort of famous line that um, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than it is for a rich man to enter into heaven. And his disciples look at him and go, well, if rich people can't do it, then, then who can? Who can be saved? And, if it's, and, and, and Jesus says, well, you know, um, it, what's impossible for man is not impossible for God, basically. And, uh, and then Peter asked the question, well, what about us? We've given up everything because Jesus has told this rich young ruler you know, what, he says, what do I lack? He says, well, sell your possessions and, uh, and, and, and give them to the poor. Then come follow me. And Peter says, well, we've given up everything. What about us? What are we going to get? And Jesus assures him of his reward. But he also says um, the same is true, the, that eternal life and eternal reward is going to be true for anybody who gives up, you know, gives up things for him. Gives up their mother, their father. You know, he goes on and gives a list there. And then that's when he says, the first shall be last and the last shall be first. And then he goes into this parable about this landowner who um, has some work that needs to be done in, the, in a vineyard. He has a vineyard. So he goes out to go hire some people to, to do this work. It's early in the morning, very early. And at this time, this, this would have resonated with the people who were listening to this parable because... A lot of the Jewish people had lost their homes and lost their farmland and such because of high taxes from the Roman government. And so many of them would gather in the marketplace and just hope that somebody would come along and hire them so they could get a, a, the money to pay for food for their family. So this landowner, he goes and he finds this group of people and he says, come work for me in my vineyard today. And I, they, they negotiate a price, and, and he says, I'll pay you a, den, a denarius. And they say, that's good, so they go and they start working. Well, he goes back out at 9, and he sees another group of people, and he asks them to come. And then he does the same thing at noon, and the same thing at 3. And each time he tells them, basically, 
come and work for what is right, right? Come and work for, for what's fair or what's right. And then, oddly enough, he goes two hours later after three, he goes, goes at five o'clock because there would have been one more hour left in the working day. And he sees this group of people and he's like, well, why are you standing around? They're like, well, nobody's hired us. He said, well, come and work for me. So they come and work. Then he has the foreman line everybody up and he says, Let's, I'm going to pay them their wages for the day. And he says, I want to start with the people who came in last. And he, get, he has the foreman give them a denarius. And the next group gets a denarius. And the next group gets a denarius. All the way down to the first people who came in. And they're expecting now, oh, hey, well, they, they, he gave them a denarius. He's going to give us a whole lot more because we worked a lot longer than they did. But he gives them a denarius as well. And they start complaining. And they're like, well, wait a second. Um, we worked, we, we busted our tails out there today and, and it was in, in the heat and you're going to give us the same thing you gave the people who worked for an hour? That's not right. And the landowner says, well, um, you know, what is it to you if I want, if I want to give this, the, the, the same amount to them? It, and, you know, what, why, should you, why should you be jealous of my generosity, basically? You know, if uh, it's my my money, my business, and if I want to give that to them, I can. And that's when Jesus says, the last shall be first and the first shall be last. And so that's sort of the rundown of the thing. And I think as Americans, we hear this parable, and the first thing we think of is, well, we want to side with those guys who worked all day in the field and only got a denarius for what they worked for. And, and one, one commentary I read when I was studying for this message and, and, and studying to preach it, um, it made the point that every group gets more than what they deserve, right? Really, they get more than what they earned, more than what they deserved, um, except for that first group, and they get exactly what they had negotiated for to begin with. Everybody else he gives more to. Um, and so it's, it's this parable really isn't about fairness is so much as it is about God's generosity. And that's kind of the angle I went with with this. And that's why I, I, I titled the message, Grace is Greater Than Fairness. But I do think, I, I do think and, um, that, that as Americans, we hear this parable and we're like, yeah, that's not right. That's, there's, that, that, that's, that, those guys had every right to complain, right? I mean, that, that's, that's what we would automatically think. A blue-collar, a blue-collar American's gonna look at that and go, "That landowner owed them a whole lot more than that denarius that he paid them." You know what I'm saying, Jeff? Oh yeah. Uh, um, I, you know, so I, I think that that it begins with we sort of have this idea of fairness, right? And it, and and it's interesting because fairness or what is right. Um, for starters, <clears throat> what does that even mean? What does fair mean? One of the things I, I talked about in the introduction to this message was a lot of people ask, is God fair, right? And <clears throat> But I think what's interesting about that term fair is what does that even mean? What does it mean to be fair? Well, let's just kind of start there. Let's start with, before we even get into some of these points, let's start there. What does fair mean? I'll just throw that out to the whole table. I'm not going to ask anyone of you guys. But when, when I say fair, what do you think of? I kind of think of like equal treatment. Okay. Where like, uh, someone's treated equally. Like um, 
you know, like if uh, you do the same crime, you get the same punishment kind of thing. So that, that we would say that would be fair. Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> Equal treatment. Any other thoughts on what is fair? Well, it's kind of interesting when he said equal because um, one of their complaints uh, in verse 12 uh, that the, you know, the ones that worked all day, it said these men, and I'm reading for the New King James, these men um, have worked only one hour and you have made them equal to us mm-hmm. who have gone the burned, uh, who have borne the burden of the heat of the day. So basically what they were trying to say is that it was not fair because they were better than these guys mm-hmm. they did more work than these guys so they deserve more and so by them he paying them the same amount he's made their labor like equal to us and we've been here all day long yeah yeah so that's part of the problem with the, the culture we live in today because they do talk about fairness and they do talk about equity all in the same breath yeah but life isn't fair yeah and as much as we want, we do want people to be treated equally. There's no problem with that. But as far as fairness, um, we're not all the same. We don't all have the same skills. We don't have the, all the same opportunities. We don't have all the same uh, benefits uh, when it comes to life. However, in Jesus' case, we are equal and under, yeah. under the cross and that and <clears throat> what is available to me is available to all and that's what he was trying to get out here with the the jewish disciples that this is bigger and it's going to be offered to all right uh, including people you know because they basically felt like people weren't equal to them because they were jews they were god's chosen people and the gentiles and all were cast aside and so, so they had to kind of live up to their rules and live up to their obligations. So I think that's kind of part of the gist of this uh, parable too when you kind of dig into it and think about it. Um, that's part of the question Jesus is getting at. That he, like you talking about, his grace is available for all. He invites everybody. He gives more than you deserve. But they, they were coming from that point of uh, it wasn't fair and it's not equal mm-hmm. in their eyes. Right, right. Thoughts on fairness, uh, Jeremiah. What, what, what do you think of if I, if I say that, that that something is fair? Yeah, so it'd be really hard to define it without using the word equal. Um, but I, I just think that uh, going back to even what Jeff said, verse 12, what, what the people's concern was is their intrinsic worth. So fairness and equality, all of it's tied to their worth. Mm. It's basically saying, look, you've made them, aren't we worth more to you mm-hmm. because we worked longer? Mm-hmm. Um, but he's made the people who only worked an hour have the same worth to the laborer or to the vin- vineyard owner as the, the guys who've been there 9, 10, 11 hours. And so I think, I think part of this conversation needs to go there and even the the conversation for equality in america um equal pay equal rights all those questions it's really really tied to uh intrinsic worth it, yeah, yeah and unfortunately in america we put our intrinsic worth in uh what we own material things how much money we have when uh especially from this parable and other places uh, you're worth more than that. Your intrinsic worth isn't defined by those things or how much output you can do, how much work you can do, mm-hmm. how, how many people you you led to the Lord, or even all of those things. Anything that is objective, really, uh, that you try to count by numbers, 
doesn't really tell you what your intrinsic worth is. Yeah, it's a good point. One of the things that I found, um, I, I heard an illustration when I was looking at this because when I was looking at that idea of fair, and uh, somebody said that, you know, imagine if, if two people go in and they're going to buy a cake, right? And one, it's, it, they're, they're going to buy the cake together. And one, and one person puts down $6, the other person puts down $4. And um, the question was, okay, what's the fair way to split the cake? Well, one person might say the fair way to split the cake is that the guy who puts $6 down gets 60% of the cake, and the person who put $4 down gets 40% of the cake. That's, that would be fair. Another person might say, no, the fair thing to do, they're both buying the cake, and so we just need to split it down the middle 50-50 so that each one gets half of the cake, right? And that's what is fair, that, that idea of equal, equality, right? And then another person says, no, what's fair is when you consider the fact that this person over here who's only paying $4 probably doesn't have, probably has less food than the person who's paying $6 then the fair thing to do in this instance would be to give them the 60% of the cake and the person who pays the $6 oh, wow. gets the 40%, right? Because they need the, the, they need more cake than this person does, obviously. Yeah. So the point of this illustration was is that when we use that term fair, it's ambiguous. It's ambiguous. Nobody really knows what it means. Like a little child will say that's not fair when and, 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 and when, they, when they're talking about it, they're talking about equality like you know he got he got two slices of pizza and i only got one that's not fair right. i should have been they're thinking from a selfish point of yeah point. yeah right but um and then a teenager you know you deal with teens jeremiah and, and you hear this a lot but teenagers will often say that's not fair right and and what they really mean when they say that is i didn't get what i wanted but what's interesting is in the conversation that, that that this particular video was pointing out is that that sort of mentality about fairness has has uh, sort of permeated adult conversations now. Mm -hmm. And so people get on Twitter, they get on social media, they talk about that. That's not fair. Well, what do you mean by fair? Do you mean equal half and half? Do you mean, you know, 60-40? Do you mean 40-60? You know, what do you, what do you mean when you say that? And there is no real definition for it. And so fairness as a whole gets, you know, it gets... It gets, it's a really fuzzy term. And so I think, I, think, I think that's interesting in the context of this particular passage because fairness, um, like, and we'll get into some of these points now, but you know, fairness doesn't always invite everyone to the party. Fairness doesn't invite everyone to do the work. But grace does, right? Grace does. I, Blake, you uh, had your hand up. Go ahead. Oh, yeah. I was just going to go back to the – even the, when you said the word was ambiguous, I looked the definition up on Google, and it's still even more ambiguous. Yeah. It says, in accordance with the rules or standards legitimate. It's like, well, what rules or what standards mm. are we going by? You know, mm. So that just was even adding on more. So it's really easy for us to say that you know God's not fair or that – this isn't, you know, that, that, that salvation or the gospel isn't fair, whatever, right? We can say, like you said, life isn't fair. And, and that's true. If, if what you mean by fair is equal 50-50, then it's certainly not fair. We know that. I mean, we, we all live in this world. We know that we live here in America. And even in a land like this full of opportunity, things just aren't fair. Sometimes opportunities are offered to one person. They're not offered to another. And it just kind of happens that way. Life runs that way. 
And I'm not saying we shouldn't struggle for things like equity, giving people equal opportunities and, and such, but that's another conversation entirely. But what I really want to get to here is that this idea of fairness, when we try to apply it to God, God isn't fair. I don't think that God, I don't think fair as we understand it sometimes works in that way. Now, God is just, and in that way, he's fair, right? Mm-hmm. He's going to do what is right always. Well, and there's, like he was talking about, the standard they were using was their standard from a human perspective. Right. This landowner wasn't fair, so therefore, God's not fair. Right. Like he, if we, you know, born the, you know, we've been here all day long, and, you know, we're still getting the same amount, even though we, we know we negotiated it, we were thinking... Oh, he's going to give us more, right? And, and, and so, <clears throat> so that was a human perspective attributed to God, and God's like saying, "No, I'm going to pour out my grace on everyone," and that's what's fair as far as God's concerned. Is I want to love everyone and make that opportunity available for each and every one, which right. goes back to your first. And that goes back to that first right point, by, right? Because when you look at things, and and and, and I think the the disciples, when you look at this in context, that's exactly what the disciples were thinking. They're Jewish, right? And they're saying, okay, well, we're Jews. We should be getting more than, than, than everybody else. But God's plan, Jeremiah, from the very beginning, and, and I pointed this out in that Genesis passage, right, where, where, yes, okay, God had a plan for Abraham. But God's plan has always been, always been every nation, not just Israel. And that Israel doesn't get special treatment just because it's Israel. Israel was the was the means by which God was going to offer His grace to everyone. Does that make sense? Yeah, I mean, and I think that has a lot to do with like uh, to the Jew first, and then to the Greek. Like, clearly, the Jews were first in line, and mm-hmm. I think I think if you're a Jewish man, like the disciples, <clears throat> hearing that, no, you're actually not for. If you're first in the kingdom, then you're last. If you're last, then you're first. I think that plays into the whole discussion but uh just because the jews were first meaning that they received jesus right and they they received all the promises and they uh jesus was going to come through their their bloodline and they of course heard the message first and all that stuff um but that doesn't mean just because they're they were first in line or whatever that they have any more intrinsic value or that christ didn't die for the rest of everyone yeah yeah and so um when when we apply this I, this principle, um, you say, well, okay, well, I get that, right? And, and I'm I'm grateful that that even though fairness, you know, God God could have been been like, well, okay, I'm only offering it to the Jewish people. They're my special people. They've always been my special people for centuries, and so I'm just going to invite them to work in my vineyard. But Grace says, no, I'm going to invite everyone, even people who are really late to the party, right? That including including us. Um, and then so grace invites all of us. But what I think this really applies is when we start thinking about in terms, okay, well, that we get that. We're recipients of grace because we're Gentiles and we've been invited even though we... But what about, what does this say to us about the way we now as Christians, as the church today, view, view that invitation? Because I think sometimes we don't want to invite everyone. I mean, let's just be real about it. Um, you know, do I have to invite everyone? Like, I don't want that person. <laughs> yeah. I don't want that person in my church. I don't really want that individual in my life. 
Um, they disagree with me. I disagree with them. Um, you know, they're, they're of the kind of people that I don't enjoy associating with. And so I don't, I don't really want to invite them. Or we go the opposite of the two extremes that I pointed out in the message, which is either we, we, we do that with others and we say, okay, I don't want to invite them or I don't think God wants to invite them, right? Or we say, I'm not invited. I can't be invited. There's no way. I'm, I'm, too, I'm too bad. But either way we go with that, we're limiting God, right? Yeah, I think it, in the I think something that's ironic in Scripture, you know, a lot of the Jews had like this Jew versus Gentile mentality, and now I think a lot of times we have a Gentile versus Gentile mentality where we're kind of like, you know, where you, you were saying like we don't want to associate with certain other groups or this and that. And mm-hmm. I just think it was like, you know, we've kind of got the same mindset sometimes as what the first century Jews did just with other Gentiles. Yeah, no, I think that's, I think that's exactly what happens. Um, I mean, I'm sure everybody would say, well, no, I don't do that. <laughs> like, I don't know. That's what they would say, but everybody, everybody in, in a way, maybe consciously or unconsciously, we do that. Uh, we would say we're invited to everyone and our doors are open, but then are they really? And then when the person shows up that's different, how are they really treated? Mm. And so um, it, it's really difficult because we live in a world that wants to divide us and wants to pigeonhole us. And then when the church buys in it too, then we're in trouble. And so um, uh, it's, it's one of those things where the church a lot of times are the most uninviting people. Yeah. And I'm talking about church in general. Um, you know, I've all, everybody in here has probably visited the church. And usually when I visit a church, I'll sit in the back and then I'll just sit and then you'll see who comes, talks to you or doesn't talk to you. Or, and like I remember going to a church one time and the people were very, very friendly to each other. <laughs> and I had the token, hey, welcome here. And then they all like did their token. I, I greeted the person that's visiting and then they went and, and like it wasn't that they weren't a friendly church. They were, but they were friendly to each other, yeah. which then was in, uninviting to me. Yeah. And so we did the same thing. We we kind of, you know, we've been here. We've been in this church for 30 years. And this newcomer's in here. Uh, I don't know. We got to test them out first, whether they really belong or fit in or, you know, because we've been here this whole time and look what all we've done. And, and they're just walking in now and we're going to make them a Sunday school teacher or whatever. Yeah, so yeah. that same mentality flows. Yeah, I know. You're, you're absolutely right. I, nowhere have I ever felt that then more than when, uh, when I left a ministry I had been in for nine years where I basically lived in a church, right? I mean, just, I was a full-time associate pastor in Kentucky. And when I moved to North Carolina... And had to find a new church to associate with. It was the most miserable experience. Because because of exactly what you just said. You could walk into a place and it might be really friendly. But you just got the sense, I can't break in here. That, they're, they're, I'm not, they're not actually wanting me. I don't feel wanted in this community. And we don't mean to do it. But we do it. And then I think where I think is really gets into problem. And this is why I, I really like that quote I quoted from John Piper. The one that said we are to order our lives by the light of his law or his will of command, not by our guesses about his plan. Like, I think so often we're like, well, I'm going to try and figure out what God's plan is. 
And I don't think God's plan includes this person over here. And so, so I, because, I, because I put that thought in my head, Jeremiah, then my actions are going to reflect whatever I'm thinking, right? So if, I second, if I'm second-guessing God's plan for that individual over there, there's a very good chance that if the thought's in my head, then I'm not going to take the initiative to go and speak to them. Does that make sense? Yeah, I, I like the quote too. It just goes to show that you better be, um, you better, you better believe what God wants you to believe about His plan and His will and who He wants in the kingdom and how the kingdom works. Because I think that's most of Jesus' problem is uh, on Earth is He's He's going. Uh, I mean, He's in conflict after conflict and. It's mostly people who have made a guess as to how the kingdom works, and it's wrong. Mm. And I think that's even why he gives this parable. They've made a guess as, I've been, I've been grinding for longer. I've given up everything. Uh, I quit my job. I left my family. Whatever it is that the disciples are saying in chapter 19. And, uh, yeah, chapter 19, and then, of course, afterwards with the, with the mom story. Right. Um, there's just so many things that they're saying. This is how the kingdom works. This is how it's supposed to work. And Jesus is like, no, this is not how the kingdom works. <laughs> That's how the Let world works. Let me tell works. you a story. Yeah, yeah. He's, like, he's like, the world, you, you want heaven to be like the world? And I think everyone would say no. Like everyone would say, this is broken. It's a broken system. Mm-hmm. And I love this story. I love parables because Jesus can say whatever he wants in a parable. It's not a, it's not a true story. It's just a story that he's made up in his mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I love this parable because it's supposed to, like a lot of parables, um, it's supposed to just grip like a, a frustrating feeling. Yeah. And it does. Even, even Every time I read it, I'm like, that's unjust. <laughs> and then I realize, oh, but I want it that way. Yeah. Yes. And that's how the kingdom works. Yeah, right? I, I, think it's, I, I think you've said this before in one of our podcasts that when we talk about fair, we don't ever really want fair. Yeah. What, we, what we want is grace. Grace and mercy. We want grace, even though we say— grace, grace for me, fairness for everyone else. That's it, right? Grace for me, fairness for everyone else. And, and I, I think that's exactly it. And, you know, one other thing on this point, we'll, we'll move on. But I, I think it's enlightening when you look at that passage in First Peter. Um, when Peter is, Peter, you know, is absolutely a Jew. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, he had, a, he had difficulty, when we read in the book of Acts, I mean, he had difficulty even going to the Gentile people. And yet it's Peter in his epistle who speaks about God's people at Universal, the Universal Church, in terms that would have been reserved for years for the covenantal people of God. Mm-hmm. That you're a chosen race. I mean, really? A royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his possession. Those are terms that were reserved for only Jews. Yeah. And now Peter is applying them universally to the church. And I just think that that is the attitude that we have to have too when it comes to inclusiveness and, and inviting everyone uh, to to that because that's what grace does. Grace tears down those barriers. And when the tendency is that we've become exclusive. Yeah. And that's what happened with the Jewish people, like the Pharisees and others, they were exclusive. And then the disciples were in danger of like, hey, we're this group of people following Jesus. This is great. Um, they're in danger of 
becoming this exclusive club too that we're the leaders of it we're going to get all the benefit and we're going to get more than everybody else and um which goes against the inclusiveness of it which is what peter then finally realizes that oh he's not talking about just us jews that become believers he's talking about everybody that's a believer we're all called to be these things that's right and it's a very inclusive uh way of uh explaining what the church is and what what uh, following Jesus is all about. Exactly. And, and, and that, the, the, the second point of this, um, because I do think that the, the parable kind of lent, lent itself to kind of going into these three points about the invitation being at everyone. But then also, the fairness doesn't give you beyond your earnings. Like if you're getting paid a fair wage, you're going to get paid for what you did, right? I mean, like if we were arguing in, and, you know, people do this in Congress, they're like, well, you know, when they talk about things like minimum wage and all that, they're trying to say, what is the fair wage for this work? Like an hour's work is worth how much money? What's fair? And what what should everyone be paid on according to this scale? And so, um, but fairness, um, fairness doesn't give you beyond what you earn. You get what you earn. Grace gives you beyond what you earn. And I think that's the whole point of this. Really, the whole point of this parable is to show that that grace gives you more. It's not so much what God, what, what the landowner didn't give to the ones who worked. It's what he gave to everyone else. It's This parable is about the generosity, the incredible generosity of God. Um, and... You know, going back to the, the thing again, you know, I think part of the reason why we might look at this and go, that's not fair, is because we want to put ourselves in the shoes of those first workers, right? But in all, in all honesty, we're the ones who come in at 5 o'clock, right? Yeah. We're the ones who came in at 5 o'clock, and we're getting the benefit of of, of what, you know, what the Jews what, like had, you know, uh, tried to live for, you know, for, for, for years, and this is why I, I, I went to that Isaiah 55, 1 passage, which um, in Isaiah where he says, Come everyone who is thirsty, come to the waters, and you without money, come buy and eat. Well, that's kind of <laughs> funny, right? Like, like how, do funny you, money. how do you buy when you ain't got money, right? <laughs> like he's, he's saying, come buy and eat. Well, what am I supposed to buy with? You just said I don't have money. He says, come buy wine and milk. Without money and without cost. And there it is. Without cost. Um, because grace is free. It's just, and we, we struggle with that. I, I'm, I'm, I'm convinced that, as, especially as American Christians, we struggle with the idea that grace is free. It's not what you earn, right? I mean, we want to earn we want to be. We want to be able to say, "I earned this." Yeah, absolutely. You know, we want to work for it and like strive to get it because, and it just feels like we got it because of our own, out of our own doing. But grace is, you know, Ephesians two is very clear that it's not any of our own doing. It is solely from God. Not mm-hmm. that we should boast, and He gives us by grace through faith so that we can be saved. Yeah. Why is it that we think that we? have to earn it i mean like why is it that we we 
I mean, we, we, we read these passages. We, read, we know Ephesians 2, you know, like you just quoted, for you're saved by grace through faith. It's not from yourself. It's God's gift, not from works that no one can boast. Why is it, though, that, that over and over again we, we, we tend to come back to this notion of i got to earn God's favor? I think it's, for Americans, it's capitalism. And I'm not knocking capitalism, but <laughs> I mean, our whole society, we just had Labor Day, right, on Monday. It's to celebrate work, mm. which, like, why is that a celebratory thing? Even me saying that probably triggers some people in here like, oh, you're supposed to work. Like, that's important, and it is. I'm not saying Christians shouldn't work, or I'm not promoting socialism or anything. In fact, I don't think this text has much to say about good business practice. Uh, no, no, I don't think it's about business practices at all. I, it's funny that you bring that up, because I read one commentary that tried to make this about business practices, and it was laughable. Yeah, because um, <laughs> you know, I was in the business world. When I read this from a business perspective, I'm like, uh, this is not right. Because you know? <laughs> Jeremiah is true. I mean, we're, 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 everything we do is about earning. Like you earn your good grades. You earn, uh, you know, the girlfriend's hand. Uh, all these things, you're in competition. If you're, you're earning a spot on the team, you know, it's all generated towards go, work hard, do your best. And if you do your best, you're going to get rewarded. And if you do it an outstanding job, you'll probably get even more rewards. And so that I think that was the the, the thing with the guys that were so upset about it because they thought that they were going to get something extra. And so uh, I think what happens to us on salvation, we understand salvation is by grace. But I think we try to live our Christian life after that thinking we have to earn more grace, we mm. have to earn more mm. mercy, mm-hmm. we have to earn more forgiveness, we have to earn more of God's love. And so we get caught in this cycle of still trying to earn it somehow. And it's like, don't, don't, don't try to kill yourself earning something that God's going to give you anyway. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's, that's part of our problem word. too. Yeah, yeah, no, I think you're absolutely right. And I think part of, part of what happens too or one of the one of the problems I've, I see in, in the American church is that, and I don't know when it happened, probably sometime after the 50s, but I think what happened was we we married our our faith communities to businesses. So we made we made faith communities, we made churches into businesses. Yeah, they followed a business model. And we followed this business. Pastor was the CEO. Yeah. uh, Things like that. And for for these very reasons, I think that that's that's the wrong model to operate on. I mean, I know we deal in monies and things like that. We have to administer that. There are are certainly administrative kind of things that have to happen in churches. But so often I see... You know, you hear the like lay people will say, I'm not saying here at Rosa Sharon necessarily, I'm just talking in generalities, but lay people will will say, you know, oh well, you know, this clearly, you know, we need to we need to do this and this and this, and the pastor needs to do more of this over here because we're not meeting our quota. You know, it's like we're not baptizing enough and so we're not we're not meeting the quota. Um so 
we're clearly mismanaging monies or we're mismanaging Plus resources. Plus, we hire these guys to do these jobs, and so yeah, and it, and and that's never what it was about. It's never been about a business model. I think, in fact, when you start to take these principles and apply them to business, they just don't work that way. Does that make sense, Jeremiah? And going back to your point on on how we kind of marry everything to work in America. Yeah. And I just, well, I'll just bring it back to point number two. I love this point um, because this is where I struggled with myself the most. Um, And I think if we're being honest, how how many of you have ever, let's say, let's say you were promised to to make $40 for a day. I know that's not enough in America, but whatever. You're, You're promised to make $40 in a day. At the end of the day, they give you $60. How many of you have been in uproar that that's not fair? But technically, that's not fair. Right. Mm-hmm. So when we talk about being that stuff being not fair, it's because it you feel like you're on the, the losing side or the negative side of fairness. Mm-hmm. But you're not ever, ever fighting from a position above fairness or like you receive your Christmas bonus and you give it back because it's not fair. <laughs> Right. Right. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. And no, that, that's, that's why I think the the bonus, the Christmas bonus or the extra that you receive, that's that's great. That's generosity. That's you you didn't negotiate that. That wasn't in part of the contract, but that's what you received. Mm-hmm. In fact, I, I hate to put the car before the horse, but I just want to get there. I want to get I want to get to the point of you realizing that that God's not fair and it's really good for you. Yeah. Because if you got what was fair, if you got what was according to the contract, what you agreed to do as a human just living on earth, you missed it. You mm-hmm. didn't hold up your part of the deal. And so the fact that you receive anything at all, most notably eternal life, which <laughs> which is frustrating because <laughs> the, the disciples are like... What more do I get? Like he's like, you get eternal life, and it it just feels like they're like, that's it. And I'm like, <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, that's everything. What do you mean? Right. So, yeah. No, no, I think you're right. And, and and let's just be let's be real about this this parable. If if it really were, if we're talking about grace in terms of salvation, um, then then. What you just said is exactly right. And it goes back to that whole come by without money. Because the truth of the matter is, no matter how hard you work in that vineyard, you don't, you're not going to earn anything. You're not going to earn anything at all. Um, the fact, you know, if this parable was really, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not criticizing Jesus here, (laughs) but if the parable was really accurate in terms of our salvation, then what what you know we would we would we would go further with this and say those guys who worked all day they 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 didn't do what was needed of them they couldn't do what was needed of them they couldn't even complete the job and so he gave them a denarius graciously um, you know they, they 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 thought they had worked pretty hard but really they didn't work they weren't right. deserving of a denarius they had to go hire more people because you know they, maybe that maybe they might have been sitting going like hey. Uh, we can work all day, you know. It's like, you know, when you when you go on a mission trip sometimes, yeah, and you're working with people that they hire, yeah. Uh, I, I remember we took Brenda Myers one time and a couple other ladies, and these guys were building a wall, and they didn't want the guys to help them because they thought if we get these guys helping, you know, Americans are going to knock this wall out. So they made us like move rock and stuff like that, <laughs> and they we want the women. Well, the women went over there and worked their tails off. <laughs> and what they were doing, they were fulfilling the, 
they were they were working beyond what they should. Yeah. And then their their job then shrunk before them because they thought, oh, we're going to whole month to build this wall. Yeah. They're going to be making money every day by yeah. two dollars or whatever they're going to get. So you and go so, slow. <laughs> so we don't know what these guys were doing. Right. Like, by their word, they were like working all day and in the hot sun, and it's not fair. Yeah. But, but at the same time, whether they were there all day or, or not, uh, they agreed to work. And obviously, the, the work was more than they could accomplish. So God, Jesus had to bring other people in. That's right. To accomplish the because task. Because, Blake, and this gets back to the fact that we're just bankrupt of righteousness. We don't like to admit it, but it's the truth. I mean, in and of ourselves, we're bankrupt of righteousness. So we have nothing to pay for our salvation. We have zero in the in the account. Zero. Maybe we actually even start negative in the account if you really want to be honest about it, right? Yeah, I mean we, I mean we come to God with absolutely nothing. Um, I think it's in Isaiah. It says, well, you know, our best before God is like filthy rags, mm. and I mean that's the best, you know. And I think in Romans, um, let's see, excuse me, Psalm fourteen. Um, you know, God kind of like does a survey to see if there's any righteous, and there's nobody righteous. There's no, not even one who does, and that's kind of re-emphasizing Romans one that mm-hmm. you know God's trying to scan to find anybody who's righteous, and He can't find any because there's nobody who's righteous, and it's just because um, sin has absolutely warped all of us. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So then that leads really to that third point, and the third point is that fairness doesn't always mean equal. When we talked about that at the beginning of this yeah. podcast today, fairness doesn't always mean equal. Yeah, I'm sorry. I jumped in no, 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 it's, ah. it's fine. But grace does. Like, if people really want real equality, where do you find it? You find it in God's grace. It's, it's amazing. That's where you find it. And, then, and going back to what you said earlier, Jeremiah, because you're right, these guys are saying, um, you, you know, it's, it's really about intrinsic worth. It really is, and we, we, we consider ourselves worth more, and God says, no, this is, and, and this is where I think that, that that first, and it's interesting because if you read it, in one place he says the first will be last and the last will be first, and over here he says the last will be first and the first will be last. He flips it around. So I think what he's trying to say there to, to the disciples and to those who are listening is the ground is level. The, 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 when it, at, at when it comes to salvation, when it comes to intrinsic worth in God's eyes, the ground is level. It's the one place where the ground is completely level for all. And, and you know, that's because, once again, we all are bankrupt, right? I mean, it's, it's the same, same sort of thing. Yeah, and to just bring it to uh, the practical, uh, let's just talk about equality for a little bit. Um, equality in America, I can use the example of the, the women's soccer team feeling they, they should be paid more. And I hate to tell them, they're, they're fighting a, a losing battle. Not because they, they, they shouldn't receive equal pay, mm-hmm. but why, why are they not fighting? Because they just feel like that equal pay means equal worth. And then mm-hmm. if I just make more money, that means I'm worth more and I have more intrinsic worth. But as Christians, I think we, we should fight for those sort of things, especially when we see injustice or unfairness. Um, sure, but we need to be real careful to, to, to show people that, no, your intrinsic worth is the same, mm-hmm. regardless of how much money you make. Right. I like that. Um, your intrinsic worth to God, or just in general, like your worth has nothing to do with how much money you make or... 
uh, how you're promoted in, in work. And maybe I know that's an extreme example because none of us are on the women's soccer team. Or even, you know, even from a student perspective, what you score on the EOG or, you know, I have to, <clears throat> I remember having to tell my daughters, you know, look, this score, whatever you make on it, it doesn't define you. This doesn't define you. This doesn't, this doesn't say what, you know, what you're worth. It's just a, it's just a metric that measures something. And, and, and that's all it is. And you need to see that you are not a number. That's You're right. more than a number. Yeah. You know, when it goes back to what, you know, how you started it with, uh, what happened in uh, chapter 19, when you hear this guy had everything in the world's eyes, he was a lawyer. He has prominence position. He had power money. He had it all. Mm -hmm. And he was trying to live up to the law. And he was trying to, like, what do I have to do to inherit eternal life? You know, and I've kept all these. And Jesus is like, okay, we'll just get rid of all that stuff. Follow me. And that guy chooses to keep his material things um, and not follow Jesus. Right. And so the disciples were confused by that because he's like, dude, this guy was wealthy. And he can't be, you know, Jesus is like, it's going to be hard for wealthy people to be, be, be saved, you know, to make it. And they're like, well, who's going to be? And then they're saying, we have left everything, and now we're following you, and it's like, we don't have anything. Yeah. And this dude kept everything and didn't follow you. Right. So so what um, are we going to get? <laughs> yeah, so it's, it, it goes back to, um, you know, it's not really about equality, and it's not, not really about using those standards of fairness that we would look at, like this dude. Because, I mean, if you think about it, where we're at right now, we have that pocket of lostness right north of our church. Mm -hmm. And it's people that basically, when you look at their lives from a material standpoint, they have everything, mm -hmm. you know. But yet they're choosing not, not, not to take the greater thing, which is salvation, which right. comes freely by God. And so, um, so, so God equally allows everyone that same opportunity to come to grace. We just have to respond to it. Right. And so often we get caught up in this world and we, get, we, we miss the sight of the fact that um, there is eternal life. And it, it is it's greater than anything we can even imagine. Yep. But yet we want to hold on to this world so often. I, I, I shared this at the end of the message, um, but I, I found it interesting that study that was done in, in 2011 by those two uh, psychologists, sociologists, Mike Norton and Dan Airely, where they, they basically went and asked people what they thought the distribution of wealth was among, among Americans, among these five different hierarchical, and what people thought the distribution of wealth was versus what it actually was, was, was really in disparity. Mm -hmm. so then they, they said, okay, the same people they talked to, they said, okay, if, if you were designing, design an ideal distribution of, of, of wealth such that no matter what hierarchical position you found yourself in, like whichever one you found, you would be willing to enter into it, right? And so you would think that everybody would be like, okay, we'll just split it right down the middle equally across all of them. But that's not what they did. Now, it was closer to equal. They wanted closer to equal, but it wasn't completely mathematically equal. And and what, what one person pointed out from that was that what that shows us is while a lot of times we talk about we want equal for everybody, what we really want is we want the opportunity to get a little bit more, right? And what the cross does is it negates those attitudes. 
It, it, because it's not because God says I'm going to give you the very best that I've got, regardless of what you, you what you deserve, regardless of what you've earned. It really is going to be equal all the way across the board for you and for everybody else. Um, and, and and this gets back to Blake, and we'll we'll talk about this a little bit. I just find it fascinating that after Jesus has that conversation with Peter, <laughs> then he has the parable that he tells them. And then, like, there's a there's a there's a short like paragraph there um, right after the parable. Yeah, where, they get on the road again. Right, where they're on the road, and he predicts exactly what's about to happen to him. Yeah, tells them exactly what's going to happen. And the very next thing that happens is the mother of James and John comes to him and says, "Hey, uh, I want to ask a favor. <laughs> you know, nice. I'm gonna have, have my kids. Can, can when you come to your kingdom, can they sit on your right and your left?" <laughs> Imagine being Jesus. I know, right? It's like <laughs> preached and preached and preached, and it's like you still don't get it. You still don't get it. And so um, I love his answer, though. When the disciples become indignant with them, he sits them all down. He says, he calls them over and says, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles dominate them, and the men of high position exercise power over them. It must not be like that among you. On the contrary, whoever wants to become great among you, must be your servant or must be lesser than, right? And whoever wants to be first among you must be your servant. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Jesus says, like so many other things in, 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 in the words of Jesus, this seems to be a paradox. It's a paradox for us because we think, well, to increase, I've got to get greater, right? I've got to get more. And Jesus says, no, to get more, you've got to give up less. You've got to, you've got to have less. You give, give, give more so that you can, so if you really want to be great, then give away more. Instead of if you want to be great, gain more, right? And it's, it's, it's a paradox. Yeah, and that, and that was uh, beautifully exemplified through Jesus. I exactly. Mean, a lot of, world, um, I've heard the illustration, I think it was yesterday in ethics class, you know, a lot of religions you have to try to get to God, like try to walk up the mountain to get to God. Mm-hmm. For Christianity, the God came down the mountain right, and came to the people. Yeah, yeah. And that's exactly what uh, Matthew's writing about here in verse 28. Yeah, that's you know, exactly. God came down to serve, and you see that like in other places like John 13 where Jesus washes the disciples. Right, or feet. Philippians 2 when it says, yeah. you know, even though he was equal to God, he didn't take that as an advantage, but, you know, Right. Gave up that that, that Godhood in order. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That 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 um, the, that kind of idea, that paradox of of greatness, um, is is uh, it seems to be the hallmark of Christianity. We miss that sometimes. I think. Yeah, and say he flips it on him. It's not about earning and doing to gain. Mm-hmm. It's about serving. Yeah, and so. Again, it goes back to what I said earlier about how then we, we start serving God, but what is our motivation for serving Him? Mm-hmm. Is it then, well, I've got to serve Him now to, to earn more grace and all that? So He's trying to let them see that it's not, it's not what you think it is. And the quicker you can get a hold of that, the more my kingdom then can expand. Because that's what it's all about, like expanding His kingdom. And He's got to start with these 12 guys and they still don't get it until, you know, later on in Acts, they finally start getting it. Yeah. But it took them a while. It did take a while. And I think it takes us a while. Yeah, I mean, let's it still honest. takes us it, a while. It takes a while. I think, I think the, the thing that I kind of summed up everything with was we need to be ready recipients of grace 
sometimes it's hard for us to accept grace. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, we want to earn God's favor, but we also need to be ready givers of grace. And um, we, we are, as recipients of grace, we need to be givers of grace. And I think that's the point that Jesus is trying to make through this whole little section. Um, so any last words on, 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 on the subject? This has been a good discussion today. Yeah, I'll, I'll throw something in there. Uh, cool. I do find, so in 19 with the rich young man, right? Mm-hmm. Remember, this guy is super rich. Like, I, I just imagine he's way more rich than me. Like, <laughs> way, just way more. But he's still wanting something. And yes. I find it interesting that he want, what he wants is eternal life. Now, he doesn't end up getting it, probably, because he's unwilling to pay the price, right? Right. But what he wants is eternal life. And then you get to the, the, the story after this with the mother, and she's asking for them to set at the right hand of the kingdom. And you, get, you heard Blake say, man, how annoyed would Jesus be at this point, right? I would have been annoyed. And it's like... <laughs> These people seem to be asking for things that are less than what he's giving them mm-hmm. over and over. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I got a, I got a story. Uh, Zoe, she's young. She's three, if y'all don't know her. But uh, about two months ago, we were negotiating. And I'm not Jesus. We were, ne- <laughs> we were negotiating. She, I was like, all right, Zoe, it's time to go to bed. And she was like, she was like, no, I want more time. I was like, all right, I'll give you 15 more minutes. You know what she came back with? She's like, no, Daddy, I want seven minutes. And I'm like, done. Because <laughs> <Right? laughs> she doesn't have a clue what numbers are. <laughs> to her, number seven was the greatest thing she could have asked for. Right. And I'm trying to give her so much more. Yeah. yeah. And I'm not oh, that's Jesus. That's a great illustration. I'm not Jesus, idea. right? So right. I'm like, all right, I'll give you what's less. Yeah, right. But Jesus is like, I've got so much more for you guys. Yeah. Like, why are you asking for all these petty Stupid things when I'm offering eternal life. Yeah, that's a relationship with your creator. And so I just, uh, yeah, that's what I'm sitting here thinking about. But. No, that's a great illustration. And for you to have the chance to fulfill the scripture to be the blessing to the nations that you're supposed to be anyway. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Through me, you know, David's greater son. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, okay, this has been a great discussion <laughs> on, on how we don't really want fairness, but we want grace. And then it's kind of a precursor to a sermon series we've got coming up um, in, in, later in the fall. We're going to talk about grace at length. And so um, uh, I, I, I'm looking forward to that. Um, but next Sunday, uh, you are doing, because uh, it's, uh, I guess, it's up to the same weekend. Yeah, it's Sunday after 9-11. And so... Basically, I did that sermon about uh, love each other, mm-hmm. and we had a question here, I think, a couple of weeks ago about what about enemies? Yeah. It's the same word, agape. So I'm like, okay, well, I'm gonna do agape your enemies this week. Then I'll probably go ahead and do the parable and love your neighbor and what that means, and then I'll probably end up with uh, the greatest of all, the love God with all your heart, soul, and strength. So I'm kind of doing like a sermon series. Kind of jumping into that since I said love one another. Sounds good. What that meant, so let's work it backwards then to what it means to love God. Sounds great. Look forward to So be Matthew 5 43 through 45. All right, cool. Well, we'll we'll be talking about loving our enemies next next Monday and uh, looking forward to that. That'll be a great discussion. All right, well, until then, you all have a great rest of your week and we will see you here on the next one. So long.